All right, everybody, good morning again. Not bad, not bad. Um, welcome to week number two of our sermon series. It's a fall sermon series, and as you can see from the title, it's God Is. And so what we're doing every week is we're filling in the blanks with different characteristics of God. And I was laughing with Tom at the beginning of the service um, it, just about the series because Everything we're talking about are, are, are the basics of something called systematic theology. So you run into words like omnipotence, omniscience, immutability, uh, infiniteness. And th those, as you just proved, those are not terms that made everybody go, yes, oh, that's wonderful. So the challenge for us has really been to study deep and for this to really be applicable um, so last week, we looked at the fact that God is infinite, all right? Now, that's a big catch-all word for just the vastness, the prominence, the unlimited power and existence and goodness of God, and that is known as an incommunicable trait, and incommunicable means it's very different from you and me. Um, I think you're all wonderful, but I wouldn't apply that definition to anybody I know, and today we're going to look at another incommunicable trait, which is how God is vastly different from us. And then, of course, what difference that makes in our lives, okay? So before we get started, um, I want to share with you what is a secret hope. Um, it won't be a secret after I say it. But it's, it's a, as a theologian, okay, maybe an amateur theologian, having been to seminary, uh, you know, Ivy League education with, with seminary, reading theologians, there is a problem in the world of theology, and I want to make you aware of it. And it's that theology, what it should do as we look at who God is, okay, the, the, the incredible, unlimited, vast majesty of God, we should have an Isaiah 6 reaction. Okay, you remember the sermon on Isaiah 6 a couple weeks ago? Um, it ought to be, whoa, awe, wonder, um, humility, Theology tends to go the other way with people that study it. Um, you know, there, there tends to be this thing of, well, you know, I've studied all the attributes of God. I've learned the Greek. I've learned the Hebrew. And this, this just this swelling of the brain, like, I've, I've figured God out. Well, theology ought to do the other to us. And so that's what I've been praying for us, is that as we, we look at God, there would be a new sense of wonder and awe and humility that really leads to an even deeper, richer relationship with God. So the secret's out. That's my prayer for you and me in this series. So let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, your word is, um, it is absolutely astounding that you have chosen to communicate to us and tell us uh, your plans. Show us your heart. Reveal yourself to us, and, and God, through your word, you call us in to relationship with you. You invite us into so much more than we can piece together down here on our own. And so, Lord, today we put ourselves under your word, and we just invite you by your spirit um, to just speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, speaking of theologians, um, the great theologian J.I. Packer Feel free to cheer if you want to. Um, J.I. Packer, he, he writes about an issue that a lot of people have when it comes to reading the Bible. And by issue, I mean a problem, okay? There is a, I know, shocker, there is a struggle a lot of people have when it comes to reading the Word day in and day out. 
And the problem is relatability, all right? Um, the Bible is thousands of years old. I mean, even the last writings of the New Testament, it, a couple thousand years old. So we're looking at a world that's thousands of years old, okay? People dressing differently, acting differently, scenarios, political system, all of it is so unlike our world. And so what happens to a lot of us is we read the Bible and we're like, you know, the Middle East is so far away, and, and this all happened so long ago, I can't make much of a personal connection with this. And so it can be really tempting to say when it comes to the Bible, everything we read belongs to that world and not this world. Or to ask the question, how can God's words and actions in ancient times speak to people in modern times? And while it's true that this is quite ancient, okay, while it's true the Bible is thousands of years old, what makes the Word of God, this is, this is where today's attribute starts, what makes the Word of God relevant to us is that the very same God who wrote it is speaking to us today. There's a principle called immutability, which means God never changes. And so because God has never changed, what he said then applies today just like it did back then. What do you think of that? A little bit of a mind blower, right? Okay. Um, okay, so I've already spoken the forbidden word in polite society, I apologize. That six-letter word that made every one of you cringe when I said it, change. Um, so since I said the word change, let me go ahead and just take the can off this worm, uh, on, the, on this can of worms. Um, I'll give you fact number one through 1,000. Fact number one through 1,000 about change is this. For you and I, change is constant. Every single thing on this planet is always in a state of change. You and I as people, plants, animals, creatures, even those things that we look at like a rock and go, man, now that is one fixed thing. It, it, it's even breaking down. So everything is changing, all right? That, that's, that, that, that's a big thing for us to think about. Um, everything is growing. Everything is expanding, decaying, breaking down, becoming, weakening, Everything on this planet is changing except for two things. The two things are Morgan Freeman and the line at the DMV. Morgan Freeman has not aged in 50 years, okay? I'm telling you. I watched him on the electric company. It's the same guy, right? And even if you make an appointment at the DMV, that line is still out the door, right? Okay, so every, everything changes, all right? Seriously, though, change is a constant. Um, I wanted to give you one example of change in my lifetime. Um, I'm getting older, right, 55 years old. One thing that has changed dramatically since I was a child is television, all right? When I was a kid, there were four channels on the TV, ABC, CBS, NBC, and, of course, PBS, right? So you had those four. Um, TV was on from about 5.30 in the morning until 11, well, but you had the local news and then the evening news. So at 12 o'clock, all right, for us old TV watchers, what would happen at 12? The American flag came up on the screen, the national anthem played, and then from 12 o'clock to 5.30 or 6 in the morning, there was a test pattern on the television, okay? Um, my, we had a television, by the way, back then, a color TV, all right? 
18 inches by 18 inches, that thing weighed 897 pounds, all right? And uh, there's my dad watching Sunday uh, football on Sunday afternoon. But seriously, right? You, the way you turned on my TV was you pulled it on, you clicked it off. To change the channels, you had to get up and turn them. And then whenever you got to PBS, you always had to take the rabbit ear antennas and you had to move them around until you could get a clear picture. I have spent years in therapy overworking that television. But, but seriously, today, do you know how many channels there are on TV? I looked this up with FCC. It's unbelievable. 1,800 channels are available through cable, over 1,000 through streaming. Those channels are on 24 hours a day, and you can watch them now on an 80-inch television that weighs about three ounces, right? But it, it's, it's just incredible um, how radical that, that kind of change has been in television in just 10 years, right? <laughs> I thought I might get away with that, yeah. So, but, but it's incredible. And of course, radical change is not just limited to television. I mean, this is everything we know, again, is in flux. And to be honest, most of the change in our world is good change. Most of, of, of the advancements and the changes, I mean, other than death and decay, they are a gift from God to us. I mean, think about infection, okay? Get an, get an infection 200 years ago. Good luck, right? I mean, the best you could probably hope for, you know, two, four, 500 years ago, go to the barber and get bled, right? Or get leeches all over your body. Today, antibiotics. What a gift from God. Uh, my, my family lives on the East Coast. I can see my family, thank God to airplanes, in three hours versus three months in a covered wagon a couple hundred years ago. Change is good. And then when you stop to think about the spiritual change that God has brought about in our lives through Jesus Christ, wow, change is a wonderful thing. I mean, we have moved from that, that status of being enemies of God to children of God. I mean, at one point, we were really walking into eternal death. But look now, eternal life because of Jesus Christ. And then there are all those, those characteristic things that have changed. You know, we move from, from deception to, to truth, from lust for everything in this world to the love of God, from pride to humility, speaking of theology earlier, gloom to joy, chaos to peace, old to new. We move from, from life in the flesh to life in the spirit. And all of that is to say that this change, and again, we recoil when we hear the word, but look at how God is using change in our lives. Change is a tool in God's hands to rescue us, to restore us, sometimes to wake us up, to correct us, which, which we all need. I think of David, Psalm 30, verse 12. God, you have changed my wailing into dancing. You have removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy for a reason, that my heart may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. So just know that with change, God is using change in your life and my life to bring us into greener spiritual pastures. And yet, having said all of that about change, you know, it's in play for us. 
God uses change in our lives. The fact is, God never changes. Never changes. God forever remains the same. Now, how do we know that? Did, did Steve and Tom work that out, you know, before the service and say, hey, let's drop an idea in the congregation? No, we know that's true because God tells us that. Listen to this, Malachi um, 3, 6. God literally says to us, I, the Lord, do not change. And then when you add in Jesus' words about God the Father, in Matthew 5, 48, when Jesus says to us, your heavenly Father is perfect, look at the picture you get of this unchanging God, a God who is forever in a state of perfection. Psalm 90, verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, he is the same God. And so while we are affected by all these things that happen and we're always growing and becoming and dying and everything else, God doesn't age. God doesn't strengthen. God doesn't weaken. God isn't in the process of dying. God doesn't even ever learn anything new. Isn't that amazing? And he certainly doesn't lose power. This is who God is. God has always been exactly who he is in a state of perfect vitality, maturity, and life. I love what A.W. Tozer, we talked about him earlier, Tom. Um, I love what A.W. Tozer says about God's unchanging perfection in his book, Knowledge of the Holy. He says this, God either is eternally perfect or he's not God. All that God is, he has always been. And all that he has been, he is and he ever will be. And of course, this isn't just restricted to God the Father. This is true of God the Holy Spirit. This is true of Jesus. I mean, after all, right? Hebrews 13, 8, what does it tell us about Jesus? Jesus Christ is forever the same today, yesterday, and forever. So that covers the existence of God and the, the life of God. But what about the rest of God? You know, I mean, we're more than just our existence. What about God's character? What about God's plan? What about God's word? Thank you for asking what about. Let's answer those. On to the second principle of immutability, which is that God's plans never change. Now, depending on where you come from theologically, that's a statement that can rock your world. God doesn't change his plans. God doesn't look in the back and go, man, what is Terry going to do today? Because I got some, you know, I, I got to see what he does before I know what I can do next. That never happens. The word of God says, Psalm 33, 11, the plans of the Lord stand for, firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, I am God and there is no other. I say, my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. I mean, what a comfort that is. I mean, even if you just take salvation, what a comfort to know that God isn't going to wake up and go, ah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know about uh, your salvation anymore. I'm, I think I'm going to abandon that plan. What a comfort to know that is set, that is fixed, that is firm. But it's not just God's existence and God's plans. 
It's also that God's character never changes. Everything you ever read about his love, his affection for you, his kindness, his generous heart, that never changes. Take take the biggest moment of love, and we all have different ones. Like you point to something in Scripture and go, that moment is the greatest moment of freedom, of love, of that moment is still in effect. This is who God is. Listen to this. Jeremiah 31.3. This is God speaking. He says, I have loved you with a temporary love. No, I, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you to myself with unfailing kindness. Those two words right there tell you God's character, God's affection for you. God's heart for every one of us. I just, I've been writing this sermon all week that still blows me away right now in front of you. And that's that's why, by the way, scripture doesn't say, oh, when it comes to God, he's he's got some love to give you. Or, you know, when it comes to God's goodness, he's got some in the supply room. The word of God says he is love. He is goodness. And again, that is pointing back to his unchangeable character. And that's why King David, if you've ever wondered in the Psalms, why is David so wound up? David understands the nature of God. He understands the character of God. That's why he he makes a statement like this, not just to his generation, but to every generation. Psalm 145.8, David says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. David knows God is unchanging. David knows that God will be for you and I thousands of years later exactly who he was for David. That's, again, astounding. Finally, though, immutable means this, that God's word never changes. This is a great lesson, by the way, for for our generation inside and outside of the church. But the word of God Uh, All scripture is set and it's settled. Now, how do we know that? Again, we let the word of God tell us. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Psalm 119, 89, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. And this is a fun little uh, Hebrew moment. The word being fixed on heaven, the idea here in the Hebrew is that the word of God is set up here, so what happens down here does not change what's what's been fixed forever in in heaven, the word of God. Uh, Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so that's why in the church of Jesus Christ, we take Deuteronomy 4.2 and other verses like it very seriously when they say, hey, when it comes to the word of God, we don't add to it, we don't take away, we don't cut, we don't paste, we don't reinterpret it based on our whims and our fads, what's going down there on earth. But instead, what do we do? We put ourselves underneath the authority of the word of God. And so when it comes to to, to the Word of God, the only change that needs to happen when it comes to the Word is our understanding of it, our our growth in the Word of God. 
We're talking about our submission, um, our obedience to it, our confidence in it, our joy in every aspect of what God has spoken to us in the word, knowing that every one of God's promises is unchanging. Do you know how many promises there are in the Bible? A lot. There, there are a lot. Every one of those, those, those promises to us about healing, life, rescue, joy, do you know who they belong to? They belong to us. Those are our birthright. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And that, my friends, is the principle of immutability, God's unchangeableness. But you still might be asking as we, as we wrap up here, okay, that, that's all really good. And I see some connections, some things I didn't see before. But, but what impact does this have on every single day of my life? Well, I'll suggest a few things and y'all can add to the list. Um, for starters, one thing God's unchangeableness does for us is that it means we don't have to wake up every morning and worry and wonder as we go to God in prayer and think, oh my gosh, I hope, I really hope today, I've, I've got a big day, got some big needs, I really hope God is in a good mood today. Um, I really hope God got up on the right side of the bed. We don't ever have to worry about that. We don't ever have to worry if God has changed his mind about loving us as our heavenly father. Some of us struggle with that at times. We don't ever, that, that's something we don't ever have to worry about. We don't have to worry about God revoking our salvation because of yesterday's sins. And, and again, in the church, we have to, to admit, uh, we as Christians do some sinning. Well, we, have, we don't have to worry that our salvation is in jeopardy. We can also trust every plan, every promise, and every purpose of God in Scripture. It does not matter what the headlines say. God is accomplishing everything he promised to us in Scripture. Man, that's good news. And then finally, we can be 100% confident uh, that God's word is true and all of it is for our good. And so what we can do is we can take the word of God and we can let it shape our hearts and renew our minds and transform our whole lives. Y'all like the, the motion there? Feel free to do this at home every day if you want to, okay? But, but we can have that kind of confidence. And it really is off of this truth, God's immutability, his unchangeableness, that, that we get to build community and we get to walk together and we get to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is unchanging, and we get to make a real difference in our world. So immutability, don't leave home without it, all right? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that, that you are so other than we are. And it just strikes me today, I, I want to apologize and just ask your forgiveness on behalf of myself and, and maybe all of us in the church. Tom mentioned it a minute ago about idols. We are so tempted as human beings to try and make you into our image. And God, every time we do that, you know, whether we tie you to our political system or, you know, our group of friends or whatever, whatever's going on in our world, every time we do that, we lessen your majesty and we lessen your glory. And so, God, we, we seriously want to put ourselves underneath your word and say, Holy Spirit, create in us, 
clean hearts. Renew our thinking. And, and, and God, I just pray that the world could see a very different church in, in days ahead. Not a church that's angry or that's powering up or a church that's pointing fingers, but that they would see the church you intended. That we are people that are moved by love and we are reaching out to serve and to help and to bless. And we, we've got the greatest message on our lips and we've got the light inside of us to demonstrate that all of this is true. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this day and age, and we want to be a part of it. We thank you that you are making us new and you are doing new things, good things. Be glorified through us. Be everything, everything, that, that every, I mean, every aspect of you, we pray would radiate out of this church, our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.